Hello and welcome to episode four of I Wonder Wednesday. And today we are looking at why do we dream? And I'm joined by Loving Life and Living the Dream. It's Mr. Campbell and the Nightmare Fuel. That is Mr. McComiskey. How are we doing today, gentlemen? I'm indeed loving the dream, Mr. Florence. Oh, well, here. Thanks, Mr. Florence. I did think that it was just going to be me and Mr. Campbell this week. I signed you up for that Mars exploration training. I was hoping for eight months of blissful peace and tranquility. Ah, uh, sorry, missed the flight. Oh, if only one can dream, I guess. Oh, nice, anyway. I like that. Sounding professional now. I like that. Segways are getting better. Segways oh, are getting better. So good. <laughs> right. So, um, so why why do we dream? Uh, MD, want to start us off here? I'll go if that's all right. Hopefully, all I don't bore the pants off you, but let, let's give this a bash. Um, an important part of this question is for us to all be clear on what a dream actually is. And for me, it's a succession of images, ideas, emotions, or sensations that happen involuntarily during your sleep. Now, sleep has different stages, and we cycle through these over the course of an evening. And two stages that I hope you may have heard of are rapid eye movement and non rapid eye movement. Non-rapid eye movement is associated with restoring your body. So as you sleep and you go through the uh, non-rapid eye movement stage of, of that, you are, I suppose, getting rid of all the toxins in your cells and all that kind of stuff. The rapid eye movement stage is associated with restoring your mental functions. So that might be memory parts, that might be thinking about um, as, as you grow up, you know, you're a toddler, you go through the stage of learning how to walk and you've got to put that into your memory banks for future use. So all of those things, learning new words and whatnot. And we have our most vivid dreams during the rapid eye movement stage of sleep. And like many of the greatest questions posed on this earth, for example, why is Mr. McComiskey's beard so much better than Mr. Campbell's? Oy. Or, indeed, why can't Mr. Florence grow a beard at all? Whoa, 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 just to clarify here, I can grow a beard. I just don't have several chins I need to hide behind a beard, right, Mr. McComiskey? I, I, feel, I feel like you should prove it. <laughs> You're challenging me to a beard off. That's another challenge. Challenging you to a beard off. Uh, only, only if you beat me in that race. Oh, that's easy meat, though. That's a given. <laughs> You're going to have to prove it. Mr. Campbell going to be the referee. You up for this? I'll be there. Uh, we're not sneaking away from this one now, are we? Nah. So, so it's a tough question, just like those two questions that we just posed <laughs> there. And scientists and psychologists don't really know for sure why it is that, that we dream. Um, here are a few theories about why we dream, and you can maybe decide for yourselves about what you agree with most. So uh, the first theory is, is by a famous psychologist named Freud, and he proposed that we dream as a way of harmlessly discharging unacceptable and unconscious urges and wishes. So he also said that dreams may be an expression of repressed or unfulfilled memories. And he claimed that dreams could be interpreted and that psychologists have gone on to attach meaning to dreams. And Mr. Campbell will touch on this some more later on, but it's those dreams where you, you think about being chased sorry, through a field or whatever, and people would say that that's a sign that you should confront a fear. It's not actually a bad sign in a dream to be being chased. This, the second 
theory about dreams and why we do it is proposed by cognitive psychologists and they're interested in your mind. They don't believe that dreams are an unconscious wish like Freudian psychologists do, but they think that it's a simple response of the brain that happens whilst we rest. They think that dreaming allows for memories to form and for the brain to declutter all of the other stuff that's going on throughout of a day. You don't need to remember absolutely everything that happens to you every single day and you need to declutter those parasitic thoughts if you like. And it makes sense, or this theory does make sense, because when you dream, you, you relate your dreams to everyday part of your life. You know, you often dream about people you know or things that are familiar to you. And so that's why a lot of people um, like that theory. And, and as biologists, I had to mention the biological approach. And, and biologists have shown that we dream during the rapid eye movement stage. And we think that this might trigger memories that are lodged in the brain. And that random electrical impulses will fire during sleep, bringing these memories to the fore. And that's why you dream about things that you know of or that have happened to you recently. But our brains, they need to make sense of the world that's going on around about us. And so therefore, even during sleep, the brain's trying to make sense of the, the process that's going on. And so these random memories that we see actually form as a coherent storyline. And I think that takes us nicely into what Mr. Campbell's going to talk about here in terms of um, good and bad dreams and, and what, what's going on there. Let's just pick up on that symbolic meaning that you were, you were mentioning, or the dream analysis, it can sometimes be called. There's a whole variety of websites out there that will tell you what your dreams mean, um, everything from dreams about flying to falling. And believe it or not, there are even courses that you can take to allow you to analyse the dreams of others. But I would save your money, don't bother. And because the, <laughs> the, the answer is really is that we just don't know really how to interpret these dreams. But perhaps their dreams reflect your, your worries or hopes or, or fears, or, or maybe just as simple as what was on your mind when you went to bed. And it leaves me wondering, Mr. McCormicky, if yourself and, and Mr. Florence have been dreaming about the race that you're about to have against each other, or, or even if, if either of you have been training in your sleep, um, if either of your lucid dreamers. And I wonder if Mr. Florence could, could pick up on that. And yeah, yeah. So um, with, uh, with, her, with her lucid dreaming, um, it's, it's a really interesting part when we're looking at uh, dreams in the whole. And essentially a lucid dream is when you realise you're in a dream within it. Now, this is normally preceded by waking up. So you realise you're in a dream and you wake up. But in a lucid dream, you realize you're in a dream and you stay in that dream. And this excites lots of people because essentially you can actually literally live the dream. So by being aware that you're in a dream, um, kind of a la almost Inception style, if you've seen the movie, you can control what's happening in there and essentially do whatever you want, um, which sounds like lots of fun there. It's a concept that's actually been around for a lot longer than we might think. Um, Tibetan Buddhist monks um, practice the art of dream yoga. Sounds like something Mr. Campbell would be in with all his uh, meditation and all that kind of stuff too. You you practice a bit of dream yoga in your time, Mr. Campbell? Not yet, but I might be up for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you some links. You're going to love it. Um, yeah, and their idea is that 
a lot of um, the, the Buddhist belief is about um, inner realization and appreciating the world around you. So part of this is having consciousness of being in a dream when you are in a dream. And this concept excites a lot of people a lot, and they want to be able to train themselves up so they can encounter and live lucid dreams, which is somewhat possible to do. And in fact, there's a, a Stanford um, physiopsychologist, a psychopsychologist, psychopsychologist, uh, psychophysiologist, and we'll leave that in. I'm not even going to edit that out. It took me a few attempts. Um, Leberge, who um, in fact, uh, will charge you thousands of dollars to go on a course to learn how to lucid dream. And he, uh, I mean, it sounds quite quite legitimate if you can actually give him his job title, you know, studied at Stanford, one of the top universities in the world. However, he um, kind of delegitimizes himself a little bit when you hear that he refers to himself as a dream sailor. He says that's his occupation, <laughs> a sailor of dreams. Um, and there are a few techniques that have been proven that you can you can actually learn how to lucid dream. And um, one of them is you constantly ask yourself throughout the day when you're not dreaming, is this a dream? And the idea is if you do that frequently enough, when you're in a dream, you'll start doing it as well. And you'll go, wait a minute, is this a dream? And then you'll go, it is a dream. I don't actually have wings. I can't fly. Or I don't know, Mr. McCormsky, like you might look around and go like, oh, I don't actually have friends. So this must be a dream. <laughs> That's right talk, Mr. Forrest. No, no, no. So I can only say it because it's not true. Um, so, so yeah. Um, so with, the, uh, with lucid dreaming, uh, this course can teach you many other ways as well that you keep quite secret that you can learn how to lucid dream and then be able to have the most great time when you're in your dreams and control what happens in them. Uh, there is practical implications for this as well, uh, for dream control. So people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder or children plagued by bad dreams or even adults plagued by nightmares um, that are unable to rest, this is being seen as a form of therapy to treat those conditions um, and although we could have a, a laugh about it, like having chronic nightmares as in every time you go to sleep whether it's because of some um, trauma in your past or not um, can be a ma have massive implications to somebody's health so as well as like living the dream there is a medical underpinning to this as well that could be important to research um, to try and get rid of those bad dreams essentially I don't know what you guys think. Is there, is there anything in particular that makes dreams bad and good, or is it just random? Well, well, first things first, Mr. Florence, I feel like you've saved us a lot of money there because now we know how to do it. We don't need to go on this boy's course. We just need to ask ourselves often throughout the day, am I dreaming? So that's good. The, the, the second yeah. thing is that you really need to practice this because if you want to win either of these challenges, then lucid dreaming sounds like it's going to be a key factor. You need as much practice as you can get. So, I'll only win so in my dreams, is what you're saying. Would, would, help you would help you out. Um, and, and you did touch on something that struck a chord there with me, though, that this could have serious implications. I, I'm sure there are people who suffer from um, awful conditions like night terrors or even sleep paralysis or one of these 
horrible conditions that could benefit hugely from being able to control their dreams. So um, sleep paralysis is, is a really scary condition where, where people who are lying in bed, they are awake-ish and they're aware of what's going on. But unfortunately, they waken up at the point where their body is paralysed. We all go through a phase of sleep in the night where we are paralysed and we can't move. And they have these horrible visions of maybe a monster being in the room or of a ghost being in the room and that maybe it's attacking them in some way. And if these people could learn to control their dreams a bit more um, freely, then that would be a big help to them. So I hope that what this boy is preaching over in the States is actually a true thing, although it's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, I mean, he's the courses are booked out. Um, no, I've looked to book in myself, but genuinely thousands and thousands of dollars to learn how to do this and i like this there's this little kind of caveat attached to it that it goes like sometimes people take months even years before they learn how to uh, harness the power of lucid dreaming basically meaning that he could probably charge or has charged people for multiple multiple courses yeah. not deal with in this guy he is he, yeah, he works at stanford like that's that's a big deal yeah. um but yeah, yeah um, reality test and apparently as well keep a dream journal apparently can help because okay. then you'll recognize trends in your dreams because lots of dreams can be recurring so you can have them time and time again and if you write that down it kind of embeds it into your memory a bit more so if you end up back in that dream you go wait a minute this is that dream I keep having and with lucid dreaming as soon as you realize that then you can control the dream around you theoretically and decide what happens next yeah. That sounds like you're making dreams great again. Yeah. I'm sure that's a different American. Yeah, also needs a lot of money ploughed into him as well to function. This is not a political show, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave leave that. We'll leave that out. podcasts are available. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it sounds like we've we've done the rounds a little bit on dream there, dreams there, um, looked at, you know, what exactly they are. Um, a little exploration of lucid dreaming and a kind of thoughts on what could make uh, good and bad dreams. Any any more on that before we uh, look to maybe round up? No. Um, do you want to share any particularly interesting dreams they've had over the last couple of uh, years? Anything that, that stands out in your mind? I think you should tell your interesting dream about basketball, Mr. Florence. <laughs> no. I've the... Oh... Guys, you were supposed to come in with something good here. No, um, unfortunately, and for our listeners here, I shared with these guys that I had the, the most boring recurring dream of all time. Um, where So I used to play a lot of basketball growing up. I'd walk in, the, the place we'd practice, the court, and I'd see one of my mates, and he was wearing my, my basketball boots. And I'd go, hey, Lewis, those are my basketball boots. And he'd go, oh, sorry. And he'd hand them over to me. And that boring dream, I literally had over 15 times, like recurring dream time and time again of that same incident. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, what an inspiring note to leave us for um, our last episode of the summer. So um, I hope you guys have enjoyed the four episodes so far. Um, I hope you have a wonderful summer break and we might be back after it. Who knows? Uh, So it's goodbye from me and uh, Goodbye from Mr. Campbell and Mr. Mikulski. Uh, We'll see you after. Have a great time and stay safe.